This episode of Beyond the Bottom Line is brought to you by the Program on Entrepreneurship at the Yale School of Management, where we're educating students for business and society. For today's episode, we're delighted to have Peter Boyce from Rough Draft Ventures. Peter, why don't we start by having you talk a little bit about your background and why you launched Rough Draft Ventures. For sure. Thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. So, you know, I got Rough Draft started when I was in school. So I was a senior at Harvard and had been helping friends launch companies uh, and, and, and startups on campuses across Boston. And one of the things I was super excited to do was to create uh, a new way to kind of support them with early stage capital and also access to, to mentorship. And so was super lucky to get Rough Draft off the ground to support student entrepreneurs, you know, across campuses and in building their companies and, and launching while they were still in school. Great. So your goal in launching was really trying to accelerate that process for student entrepreneurs. Has that goal evolved since you launched, and how have you built upon that to build this incredible platform where you've now backed over 140 different teams? Yeah, it's expanded and evolved a bunch. Um, you know, I think in a few ways. So number one, we work with many more campuses today than we initially started. So we got the program initially launched in Boston, and then we just recently expanded to New York, the New York area, and we also are selectively doing investments across the country, so that's been an exciting way we've expanded. Um, we've also invested a bunch more time in expanding our mentorship network, so think uh, access to amazing product leaders, engineers, marketing experts, and CEOs to help kind of coach these uh, amazing kind of first-time and, and young founders that we work with, and so that's been a big new part of our program. Um, and another piece is we've been spending a lot of time thinking about how we give folks access to amazing summer opportunities to work at startups as well. So if folks aren't necessarily ready to start their own company, how can they maybe get an awesome experience and kind of exposure to uh, working at a startup uh, by joining one as opposed to starting their own? So that's called the Rough Draft Academy, which is newly launched. Excellent. Uh, so what is your relationship with General Catalyst, and how does this inform what you do? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so we are GC's kind of university-focused program. So the idea here is this is a way for us to be the earliest champions of the best entrepreneurs coming out of universities across the country. Um, this is a kind of a dedicated and focused effort to doing, you know, what we've been lucky to do as a firm for the past, uh, you know, past 17 years, which is, you know, back incredible entrepreneurs like the founders behind Stripe and, and Snap uh, and, and HubSpot and Warby Parker and others. And these are all companies that got their start on college campuses. And so one of the things that we get to do with, with Rough Draft is to, you know, find these amazing entrepreneurs and be their first champions and their first investors. And so, you know, what's exciting is this also, you know, informs the investing work that I do uh, more broadly at GC, which is I get to think about the themes that are emerging from, you know, top universities and to, to understand what some of the best and brightest young people are thinking about and spending their time learning uh, and studying and and, and building companies around. And so it's also a great way for us to understand insights around, you know, what five or 10 years from now, what folks will be, you know, spending more time on and where companies are gonna be built. So this is a great way for us to not only be able to work with amazing founders coming out of these ecosystems, but also to be informed about some of the exciting new kind of themes and frontier technologies that are coming out of, you know, amazing campuses like at Yale. So you mentioned that you're at several college campuses. How do students find you, and what does that process look like from the student entrepreneur perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So the, you know, the core part of Rough Draft is this amazing group of students that we bring together from all these different universities that act as kind of you know connectors and, and champions of entrepreneurship on their on their campuses. And so, you know, these venture fellows that are part of Rough Draft are our 
you know, kind of, you know, very much are, are a kind of evangelists and, and the folks that really help make Rough Draft special, which is, you know, they're the ones that have roommates and friends and, and understand what's going on in these campuses. And so, you know, a big part of how folks find out about us uh, is through the work that our venture fellows lead. Um, the second piece is we invest a tremendous amount of time in community building. So hosting events, supporting events, um, whether that's hackathons, you know, individual entrepreneurship student groups. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to invest, you know, above and beyond, you know, just in, you know, companies and when folks are ready to start companies. But there's a whole kind of lead up to uh, uh, thinking about kind of company creation that we try to invest in and encourage too. And, you know, that's one of the things that's changed a tremendous amount in the past few years too since we got rough draft off the ground, which is, you know, there are even more entrepreneurship groups and even more support on campuses for, for encouraging entrepreneurship. And so we try to kind of collaborate, co-sponsor, um, and kind of co-host as much of that as possible. So, you know, we spent a lot of time working with the Venture Fellows, a lot of time working with, you know, uh, universities and, and their uh, local entrepreneurship programs. And then, you know, a big part of what we do is we also try to create, you know, broader kind of content and resources that can be helpful for, you know, entrepreneurs on any college campus. And so think about documents around raising your, you know, kind of blog posts around you raising your first round, you know, how to recruit, make your first recruits, um, how to, you know, get launch press and, and marketing to, to kind of launch your product. And so, you know, our team uh, spends a lot of time investing and in writing a lot of this content so that folks can have access to these kind of best practices. Awesome. So you guys have backed over 140 teams to date. What do you think are the characteristics that really define that Rough Draft Ventures company? Yeah. So, you know, at the early stages, so much of it comes down to the, the founders and the founding team. And so we spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, number one, uh, is this team deeply, you know, passionate and, and authentic to the, the space and the opportunity that they're building for? So some kind of, you know, connectivity, which will give them the energy to work on their company, you know, independent of external validation and, and markets, which I think is really, really important. You know, the second piece is, you know, can they find themselves accessing, you know, amazing mentors and resources, which will help them accelerate their growth and their learning, which I think is so important to be able to take advantage of, especially when you're an amazing university. Um, and then the third is really the ability to pull a team together. I think this is, you know, one of the biggest challenges for, for companies growing and scaling is the ability to be magnetic for talent. And so, you know, we look for teams that are either ready to kind of learn and develop this as a, as a skill for themselves or already proving that they can have, you know, amazing folks to decide to join their team, whether that's getting friends to do, you know, internships with them um, or, you know, recruiting out of their fraternity, sorority or their, you know, their dorm room. Um, so we pay a lot of attention to that. So how early is too early for a student entrepreneur to approach Rough Draft? Yeah, you know, we, we see the whole spectrum of presentations and, and kind of stages. Um, you know, one of the things we really pride ourselves in is we, you know, we try to be the first yes and the first um, real kind of supporters of, of entrepreneurs. Um, and so, you know, as a result, we end up being, you know, super, super supportive um, from, from the earliest days. And so... You know, we see, uh, you know, kind of, you know, 15-page slide decks is a great starter. Um, ideally, there's, you know, sometimes built out like a, an MVP to kind of go along with things or some kind of prototype of a consumer product. Um, but really, I think it's much more about, you know, as a team kind of coalesced around a particular vision. And, and two, is there a real sense of commitment? I think that that's one of the things that we think is really, really important is, you know, uh, are these teams really focused on on kind of building this particular company and this product and in ways that they can kind of communicate and signal that to us? So, you know, making the full full kind of, you know, commitment to working on an idea over the summer as opposed to maybe taking a summer internship or another job. Like, that's a, that's a really big sign for us, even if the product hasn't been built out. Um, 
Um, and given that we invest across software, hardware, and a, and a bunch of other exciting themes, you know, I think one of the things we're cognizant of is, you know, there are certain things you can control and, and build with limited resources. And so we don't expect folks to have invested millions of dollars creating a drone prototype or, or a robotics company. Um, we recognize that, you know, that in the earliest days, you know, it could be just an amazing team and a, and a huge, huge vision. So a key indicator can be preferably uh, burning the boats. Exactly. That, that is exactly right. We love that, uh, that deep sense of commitment. Awesome. Uh, so in my role, I see a wide range of ventures from a wide range of industries coming out of Yale. I would imagine that you do as well and your team does. Which technologies are you most interested in right now and which do you think are most overrated? Yeah, sure. So, you know, what's fun is uh, those two those two things kind of go hand in hand. So, you know, we've been spending a lot of time thinking about, so number one, the, the way that a lot of democratizing forces are making the cost of starting robotics and hardware companies much more accessible and kind of cost efficient today. And so... You know, one of the things we're excited about is we've backed a number of amazing hardware companies over the past few years coming out of research groups and, and universities here on the East Coast. And so that's something we're excited to see more of. And I think we're just getting started, just given that, you know, so much of the supply chain and costs have really kind of uh, become much more accessible for, for, for entrepreneurs getting started on campuses to, to experiment with. So we're excited about that. You know, second is this intersection of kind of machine learning and healthcare. I think is something that, you know, especially given you know, the research groups and kind of the thought leadership that's taking place on, on campuses is, is having for advancing the conversation around the, the boundaries of, of healthcare and also the kind of the corollary computer science that's needed to apply kind of AI and machine learning to this area. And so that's something we're, we're excited about. We're seeing a lot more teams in. And so uh, we're excited about that. Um, you know, we've been also spending a, a tremendous amount of time over the past few years in understanding and tracking what's been evolving with kind of crypto and blockchain. And I think this is, it's hard to say that this isn't, um, doesn't feel overhyped today. Um, but one of the things that we try to kind of remind ourselves is, you know, what, you know, the early days of the internet probably felt like for a lot of folks and, and how, you know, at that time it might have seemed overhyped and, and kind of, uh, you know, crazy uh, frenetic too. But, you know, to think about not being a part of the, the early internet, just stepping away from that is, is not something that we want to do. Um, so those are a few of the areas that we're spending more time in. And a lot of these themes are really percolating on, on campuses where we're spending time. Excellent. Uh, I know this can be a little bit like choosing your favorite child, <laughs> uh, but what is the most exciting investment that you've made in the past six months? Yeah, you know, this is a, this is a great question. Um, you know, I have to say, and I, and I think this may be a home turf, uh, turf uh, kind of consideration as well. Um, we are incredibly excited to, to be investors and supporters in the team of Snack Bass here at Yale. Um, these are uh, Kevin um, is the uh, bunker mascot, yes. we call him. We love, we love Kevin. We love that. Um, and this has been huge for us. You know, I think, um, you know, when we first got to, to hear a bit of the story and, and see some of the excitement um, uh, that Snack Pass was brewing on campus, you know, for, for us, it was a moment of, you know, well, this is exactly what, you know, in a way, you know, university entrepreneurship is about. It's, you know, by students, for students. It is you know, remarkably social. It's something that supports local businesses. It's something that connects friends together. Um, and so we've been super, super excited and grateful to be supporters of their work and really excited for, for where that product can evolve. And, and uh, it's been great to, to work with their team over the past few months. So when we speak with student founders who are interested in raising venture, we often talk about the importance of founder VC fit. What do you think some of the key differentiators are for the RefDrop Ventures team? What are your core values and why would a founder choose to work with you versus another VC fund? Yeah, so you know, we try to spend as much of our time as possible really kind of working alongside our founders and especially as they're 
often their first investors helping them kind of set up all, a lot of the foundational elements that, you know, by having now backed over 140 companies, you know, we are pretty well versed uh, and excited to help entrepreneurs find best solutions for setting up the foundational elements of their business. So whether that's, you know, the banking services, the legal support, uh, peer mentorship through the other CEOs in our network, um, connecting with mentors. And so these are things that are really important for us to contribute. Um, you know, one of the things that I think is also uh, really important for, for thinking about what ensures a great kind of, you know, investor entrepreneur fit is the, the communication dynamic and feeling like you have shared kind of communication patterns and channels and, and feeling like that's always really open and important. So I think that's one of the things, you know, we want to be accessible to our entrepreneurs, you know, 24-7 uh, effectively. So whether that's through Slack, through, through text, through email, um, regularly hosting events together and always being, you know, kind of a, just a phone call away. And so, you know, that's something that's really important for us in supporting founders. Um, I think the other is that we, we, by focusing on this particular kind of founder heuristic or founder profile, you know, I think we uh, have come to really empathize with a lot of the, the, the challenges and opportunities that are afforded to entrepreneurs that are starting companies on campuses. So we know, you know, what it is to, to balance a full course load while running a student group, while thinking about, you know, kind of making your parents happy with your degree while running a startup. And so I think part of... Uh, while not dropping out. Exactly. Well, exactly. <laughs> well, all those things, right? Like these are, these are really important. Um, but then also all of the corollary benefits of being able to leverage, you know, the, the dorm room network, the, you know, the, the amazing professors, uh, the, the research kind of uh, resources that are available. And so I think that that makes us uh, much more kind of native and familiar and, and empathetic to, you know, the, the founders that we work with, which I think is really important. So speaking of empathy, you've worked on both sides of the table as an entrepreneur and an investor. What have you learned as an entrepreneur that's helped inform your perspective as a VC? And what have you learned as a VC that has helped inform your role as a founder? Yeah. So, you know, getting rough draft off the ground was definitely, you know, uh, kind of an entrepreneurial approach to venture. And I think one of the things it's taught me is the importance of kind of always being open-minded to having an ever-evolving kind of platform and, and a, an approach um, and not feeling like there's, you know, one way to, to do business um, that will persist for, you know, decades and decades. And so, you know, one of the things that I, I really kind of have come to hold dear is this this notion of constant experimentation and, and never feeling uncomfortable to try something and then see it work or not work and then really quickly, you know, kind of uh, pivot and kind of evolve from there. And so so that's something that I, yeah, I hold, hold very, very, very kind of close uh, in terms of the the way that I think about the, the work that we lead uh, also on the investing side. Um, and I think as an investor, I think one of the things that I've developed uh, much more an appreciation for is just the, the work that entrepreneurs go through on a daily basis, you know, solely focused and dedicated to one mission, one team, and one purpose. And to as much as possible, you know, put myself uh, in, a, in, a, in an entrepreneur's shoes and recognize that for them, this is everything. And, you know, I think one of the things we're privileged for and grateful for in working in ventures, we get to work with, you know, a, a great number of teams and we get to work across a portfolio. But it's super important to remember in, in those moments that, you know, the world really is just the founder that you're spending time with at that moment in you. And it's really just, um, you know, to, to have that focus and to have that dedication, um, I think is really important. Something you remember uh, as, an, uh, as an entrepreneur. So building on that, what do you think are the characteristics that define good coaches and mentors? That's something we talk about a lot here. Yeah, you know, I it's something I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that, that more universities have kind of uh, 
created even more broad resources for, for helping connect their amazing students with coaches and mentors and, and professors and, and parents play a big part in this too. And so, you know, I think it's a few things. I think number one is uh, the ability to see a version of yourself in that person. So something that you aspire to or are inspired by or, or, or find related and, and can be a place of connection. That could be as, you know, esoteric as, you know, being sneaker collectors. That could be from being from the same neighborhood. Uh, or that could be, you know, being sociology concentrators or majors. And so, so that's, I think, um, a, a big part of what can help establish a great coach kind of uh, coach uh, relationship. Um, I think the second is, and this gets back to the communication dynamic, which is coming up with a routine for kind of sharing learnings and sharing time that works, right? So some folks want to be engaged and share time on a weekly basis, a monthly basis. Some folks are uh, all about the telephone. Some folks are about Google Hangout. Uh, some folks want to, you know, kind of message on Slack. And so finding the right kind of communication pattern. Um, and then I think third is, you know, going into those conversations, you know, as a, as a founder and entrepreneur, prepared with things that you hope to get feedback and perspective on so that you can make the most of the relationship, I think is something that, you know, the, the coach kind of mentor, you know, appreciates. Um, but also number two, it, it makes it so that each interaction is, uh, gives both sides uh, an opportunity to kind of win together, which I think is really important. Um, and I think one of the, one of the reasons why I love this topic so much is, you know, one of the things that I have observed time and time and time again is that the entrepreneurs that we work with that are able to find coaches and mentors that are, you know, behind the scenes, giving them amazing uh, perspective, you know, almost therapy sometimes, um, but <laughs> just, you know, you know what I mean? lots of therapy, so good to have a door lots now. of kind of chicken soup, you know, for the soul. Um, but this is, I think, what is a huge, huge, huge differentiating factor between the, the founders and the CEOs that are able to, you know, constantly evolve and grow and those that hit into walls and find themselves in challenging positions. And so this is something that I encourage everyone to, you know, invest more time in is to find these coaches and mentors in their life. You studied applied math and CS as an undergrad. If you were at Harvard now, what would you be digging into and what classes would you be taking to prepare for the next five years? Yeah, so I love this, uh, I love this question. Uh, and I've, I've tried to be you know, a, uh, a student, uh, even kind of post-graduation, so always trying to be learning. Um, you know, I am fascinated by social psychology and the role that that plays in understanding the way folks make decisions, both consumers, the way individuals make decisions when they're thinking about joining teams and how they want to dedicate their time and focus. And so I think this is a, an, an amazing area for folks to, to, to study and, and to find relevance and, and lots of different kind of companies that they can work on. Um, so I would definitely be, you know, focusing on, on, on sociology and psychology. Um, and I think the second is really behavioral economics. I think this is another area that, you know, I find, you're you know, at the school for that. Yeah, I know, I know. And I, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I don't think there's a day that goes by where I don't, tr you know, derive uh, an insight from, from behavioral economics that I think really applies. Um, and so I think that, that those are areas that I think for, for anyone working in technology and entrepreneurship, you can just draw uh, a tremendous amount of, of insight and perspective from. You've been running RevDrop now for over four years. What are some of the trends that you've been seeing in the VC industry in general, and how has it evolved over that period? Yeah, you know, I think it's been exciting to see an explosion of support for, for student entrepreneurship. I think that that, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago, it was a different set of resources that were available. So I'm excited that, 
you know, there are other initiatives and programs that are supporting uh, entrepreneurs coming out of communities, whether that's the work that, you know, YC is doing in, in, in welcoming student entrepreneurs, the work that Dorm Room Fund is doing, uh, and others. And so that's been really exciting to me. So it feels like we've got kind of brothers and sisters kind of in arms, uh, which is exciting. Um, you know, I think that the second piece has really been around an opportunity for more young people to get involved in the venture industry. I think that that's also a dynamic that's exciting because I think more kind of, you know, uh, entrepreneurs coming out of universities can find folks that can relate to them and, and, and kind of really click with their, their narrative and their, their founding story. And I think part of that is, you know, there's a new kind of wave of, of great, great, great uh, kind of young investors that are joining venture firms. So I think that's really exciting. And then I think that the, the third has been the proliferation of kind of resources, content, storytelling around, you know, really just these founding narratives and the do's and the don'ts and, and, and being able to access the, the playbooks that have kept, you know, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, um, up at night and, 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 and facing real challenges, basically giving um, kind of recipes and, 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 and ideas for how to avoid a lot of those challenges and, and do a lot of what has been... Uh, the, the success for a lot of other entrepreneurs. So I look at the the amazing you know founders that have started companies like Warby and and Common and uh, you know the 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 role that alumni play in terms of just really the, just creating narratives that folks can follow in their footsteps. And so I think that there's more podcasts, more blogs, and more storytelling around that. I think is helping to inspire a whole new wave of folks to think about company building and to think about taking risk and starting something when you're in school. Um, because I think a few years ago, there weren't as nearly as many narratives to, to get inspired by and strengthened by. Can you list a few of your favorites? Mm, sure. Um, so, uh, you know, in my mind, you know, I think about, you know, kind of wave one or uh, maybe a more recent wave in my mind is, um, you know, I think about Stripe and, and Dropbox and, and that set of companies, um, Snap and and, uh, and Facebook, I, you know, I think wave two is, you know, it's Stitch Fix, it's Warby Parker, it's HubSpot, um, it's other companies. And then, you know, what, what I'm excited about is I think we're, we're seeing the, the kind of like the next wave, right? And so I think we're playing a small part in that. So I think about, you know, companies like, you know, uh, Mark 43, which got started uh, my year at Harvard, which is started out as, you know, three folks in a $25,000 investment. Um, to kind of pursue this vision to reinvent, you know, the way information is shared uh, and stored for the, the, the police department. Um, now is, you know, over 140 people live with many police departments and is, you know, really changing the way uh, that safety is kind of administered, you know, across the country. So, you know, I've been super excited to be an investor in that company. Um, and I also think that there are, there are a lot of stories that are really kind of, you know, unfolding right now. I think about the work that you know, April Co. is leading with Spring Health, uh, which I think is a really exciting example. Uh, Shout out to uh, a Yale, <laughs> Yale founder. Exactly. Um, a Yale entrepreneur that we've been super lucky to, to support. And, you know, the company that she's building now uh, in New York to, you know, bring kind of better uh, kind of health and, and, and mental health resources to, to, to folks that are working in, 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 in companies today, I think is exciting. So, you know, I feel like I am excited because some of the companies that we're, we're working with today are going to be the, you know, the next kind of set of stories and narratives that inspire uh, entrepreneurs to, to get started while they're in school. So what is one common mistake you see many early stage founders make? 
You know, I think the, there, there, there are a few, so many things I could talk about right now, so I'm trying to think about how to prioritize this set. Um, you know, I think one, uh, one thing is to not have clearly delineated roles um, on founding teams is, like a, is an easy one to try to avoid. Uh, I think just being super clear about what everyone is kind of contributing and how everyone divides up work is really important for founding teams, especially if you've got a team of you know, four or five kind of friends that are getting a company off the ground. So I think that's important. Um, you know, I think number two is not having, you know, tremendous uh, kind of resources support from uh, like a legal um, and a fundraising perspective. I think having folks that are in your court that can give you kind of best practices and perspective from market on that front is really, really helpful. And, you know, I think a lot of folks want to provide support on that front. Um, so I think that's another area of, you know, not prioritizing that and making that, you know, something that they invest in sooner rather than later, I think is important. Um, and then I think that the third is really, I mean, not being, you know, kind of clear about milestones and goals they want to hit in order to kind of, you know, justify working on something, um, I think is another big one, especially if you're juggling school and other options and alternatives. I think it's really helpful to set goals and milestones to kind of keep you on track and keep you accountable. Um, because when you're running a company, there's really no one to do that but you. You know, when you're in school, you've got your professor to keep you accountable, you've got your parents. When you're, when you're running a company, it's really up to you. And so whether that's relying on your investors, uh, an amazing mentor, or an entrepreneurship pro program you're a part of, I think that's, you know, really important to try to find the process and the structure for, you know, holding yourself accountable. Great. So let's go back to your first venture, Sty Guy Computer mm -hmm. Services. <laughs> what exactly is Sty oh, Guy? Or was Sty Guy? This is an old. Uh, yeah, we're digging out the past. Oh, and geez. what was the most useful thing that you learned from that experience? That's fun. Uh, so I, you know, as a kind of perpetual, uh, you know, kind of computer computer fan and computer geek, um, I spent a bunch of my time in high school helping folks set up and fix computers. And so think about you know, effectively the geek squad, um, but high schoolers. Um, and so, you know, running this business when I was in school, um, you know, my mom, you know, handed out, you know, my business cards and really helped me build my business, which I'm, I'm forever grateful for. Um, Moms, we are amazing. The, the best, you know, but behind, uh, behind every phenomenal story is, uh, is a mom. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I took away from that experience was number one, Playing to your reflexes and playing to your strengths is really powerful. So computers and and technology were something I was always really passionate about and just kind of felt a native love for. And to be able to help others that you know maybe that wasn't the case for was something that you know I found really personally fulfilling. And it turns out it's something that I could you know help others on. So I and I really credit my mom for helping me uh, discover that. Um, the second is I got to meet so many incredible people and to hear their stories about their lives and what they were excited about and how they built their careers. And so, you know, I kind of learned by forming these relationships with my, with my kind of, you know, computer clients. And, you know, these folks became my earliest mentors and, you know, they helped me understand how to, you know, build, you know, really exciting pathways into, into college and careers and beyond. And so, you know, I think taking that minute to chat with someone, you know, while, you know, Windows was, you know, kind of, you know, getting installed on their computer, I was booting up their, their router, um, you know, I made, you know, lifelong mentors and, and, and friends from that process. And so taking the time to kind of, you know, connect with people and to, and to learn from them is something I was super lucky for. Great. So last question. One thing that we talk about a lot here are just career paths and different ways that you can go about getting different places. And I'd be curious to hear uh, 
where you would be if you were not at RefDraft General Catalyst now? What would you be doing? Yeah, this is a great question. Uh, so depending on the day, uh, I will give a different answer. Um, the honest answer is I would be likely running a travel company. So I'm obsessed with, uh, with travel and making travel accessible and exciting um, and easy to kind of orchestrate. And so I think I would probably be thinking about how to enable more folks to plan really exciting trips. And so, you know, th I think a lot about uh, kind of like next generation itineraries and the way that we spend time traveling and connecting in, you know, an increasingly globalized world. And, and so I would be probably working on that. Excellent. Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you coming to Yale, um, spending time with our students in class and spending time with us here. This is what I'm here to do. Thanks so much, Jennifer.